You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast. This is the Useless Information Podcast. I am Steve Silverman. Useless Information Today I have a very special podcast for you, and I'm not the one doing the speaking. It's recorded by one of my students, a guy named Van Oles. He was a student in my ninth grade earth science class, and he's currently in my physics class as a senior. He's a really bright guy, and he recorded this for an English class project. It's an interview that he did with his grandfather, that's his mother's father, retired pharmacist Ronald McLean. I'll play that segment for you in just a bit, but I first wanted to give a brief shout-out to the ParCast Network. They specialize in a wide variety of true life and true crime podcasts. The one that I've chosen to mention today is one that I think is the best fit of all their offerings for the listeners of this podcast. Survival. You know, those who do whatever it takes to stay alive. Whether that be wading through snake-infested waters, drinking their own urine, yuck, or cutting off one's own arm, you know, you got the idea. As you know, I've written a few survival stories over the years, but somehow the people at ParCast are far more productive than I'll ever be. They are posting a new survival episode every single Monday. I just don't know how they do it. In fact, as I'm recording this, they just posted the story of Shindong Hyuk. He's the only person I've ever escaped from any of the total control zone internment camps in North Korea. Those are the harshest internment camps. And, as I mentioned, every Monday they'll post a new high-intensity story about people who have found themselves in life-or-death situations and what they did to survive. So be sure to check out Survival on the ParCast Podcast Network. You can easily find it by doing a search for Survival or ParCast in your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to mention that I sent you when you rate the show. And now for the interview that Van Oles did with his grandfather, Ronald McLean. When I listened to it the first time, I wasn't sure in the beginning where it was going, but in the end, I really enjoyed it. It's a story of a man who clearly loved his career, his life, and most importantly, he had an incredible thirst for learning. Van's grandfather had a very interesting life story to tell, so sit back and enjoy Today on the podcast, we're going to be interviewing Ronald McLean about his life in the scientific field. Um, here with me in the studio is Ronald McLean. How are you? 
I'm fine. Thank you very much. Thank you for being here. You're welcome. Um, so, Mr. McLean, would you like to give us a brief description of the jobs you've had in the scientific field? Well, the job I've had in the scientific field has been uh, actually encompassing my entire life has been in pharmacy. Uh-huh. And uh, that started when, when I was probably 14 years old. I, uh, I was actually bagging groceries as a part-time job in the, in the grocery store when a lo- one of the local pharmacists that was uh, uh, trading with that grocery store, uh, I bagged his groceries, uh, you know, every, every day when he came in for stuff. And he asked me, he said, would you like to work at the pharmacy sometime? And I said, yes, I think I would. So he invited me down, and we visited a bit, and I took the job uh, part-time at the pharmacy uh, on the soda fountain. And um, 45 cents an hour, by the way. That's pretty good. (laughs) Yeah, it was in those days. And uh, so I worked at the soda fountain, and I had uh, a a good time with that. And I I began to see, he began to bring me into the back room uh, to show me how to, in those days, pharmacy, we did a lot of manufacturing, we call compounding. And we made our own cough syrups, liniments, uh, ointments of all kinds, as well as filling all the prescriptions. So back then, <clears throat> so a lot of, of chemistry was involved. Okay. Yes, and um, you know you had to learn the solubilities of all the drugs, as well as uh, learning their side effects and uh, positive effects, and and so on. So we, he, I worked there for till all the time I was in high school, about four years. And I got more and more responsibility there, but also I, I learned an awful lot, not only about pharmacy, helping people. Uh, they were very good there about that, and people come in and ask all kinds of questions. And In those days, we gave the information away, I mean, it was you just did that, that's all. I mean, you were trained as a pharmacist, and he, uh, he would give people uh, help with their Questions about, you know, like how long is the gestation time for the measles or the mumps if their children have been exposed? How many days do they have to wait before they know they have it or don't have it? You know, that sort of thing. All those kinds of questions. Anyway, back onto the soda fountain. I got a couple things there that were quite interesting, I thought. And that was, we made milkshakes, and I can't, I'll never get over this one. Of course, the World War II was on at the time. This was in the early 1940s. The workers from the plant in Ilion, it was a Remington Arms Company and a Remington typewriter, would come in and for lunch at the soda fountain. And uh, we made milkshakes. In those days, the milk came in bottles with a, with a cardboard cap that you had to kind of peel off. But to save time sometimes, we would push down on that cap to pour the milk out of the bottle. But one day when I was busy there, the customer ordered milkshake. And I uh, grabbed the bottle without looking, and it was a full bottle. Not realizing that, I pushed down, I grabbed the neck of the bottle, pushed down with my thumb on the cap, and the milk squirted out all over this guy's black glasses, this man's glasses, and down over his shirt and his tie. And uh, it was one of the most embarrassing moments. And uh, he was good about it, thank God. And I didn't get fired. That was another good thing. But it taught me a lesson there, too, to be careful. And uh, see, watch what you're doing. Uh-huh. And another soda fountain story, not to bore you, but the other story is that this was an important moment in my life. <clears throat> a friend of mine came in for a milkshake, 
high school friend. Oh, yeah, he told me this one. And um, so I, I built him a milkshake and put a lot of extra ice cream in it. And I put it on the mixer, and the mixer would hardly turn and made that uh, uh, noise, and it would hardly move because it was so thick. I was pouring it in the glass, and pharmacist came up, heard it in the back room. He came out and stood right beside me, he didn't say a word. It was the uh, relief pharmacist for Mr. Griffith, was, who I was working for. It was his relief pharmacist, uh, Mr. Zip was his name. And uh, he just watched me and uh, collected the money for the milkshake, 25 cents then, for a normal milkshake. And uh, so he said, he just tapped me on the shoulder and he says, I want to, can I talk to you in the, in the back room when you're done? So I poured the glass out and gave the guy, the, the, the customer, the my friend, the spoon, uh, to eat it with because it was so heavy. So I went in the back room and <clears throat> Mr. Zip said, no, I know, you know, that, that it's probably a friend of yours and that from school. I said, yes. He said, but do you realize you don't own that ice cream that belongs to Mr. Griffith who paid for it? And he said, so you're responsible to take care of that because it's not your property. So you gave away quite a bit of ice cream there without collecting any money for it. And uh, that was like stealing. That really hit me because I never was thought about being a crook or anything before. I never thought I was stealing anything. I thought I was just doing a favor. But you have to stop and think about the ethics of things. And that really taught me that lesson, which I've carried through all of my life. And uh, anyway... Those were good days in the pharmacy, and I really thought that that would be maybe what I might want to do. In the meantime, in high school, the courses I were taking, I was very good in mathematics and science. And so engineering raised the thought about becoming an engineer. And uh, that's what I thought when I went in the service. I was in the service for two years, and um, was in the, first I started out with basic training in the field artillery. And I'd volunteered for the Airborne, so when I finished that, I was sent down to Fort Benning, Georgia. I was uh, trained in the first in the gliders, because they still were using gliders back then. And uh, so I got my glider wings, and then I went on to get my parachute wings, and uh, was assigned to the 82nd Airborne Division in Fort Bragg, North Carolina. We were just coming back from Europe, because uh, the war had been uh, declared over while I was in training. So all the time I talked to all my friends, they were all going to be engineers, engineers. And so I got thinking about other things, and I thought about pharmacy. And so one, I was home on leave the, just about six months before I was going to be discharged. And um, I uh, went down to the pharmacy college in Albany to see what that was like. And the dean there at the time, Francis O'Brien, was extremely charismatic and a very, very bright man. He, t he gave me a tour of the building, and we discussed about pharmacy. We went down to the laboratories and looked at all the, 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 the equipment and things. And Before I got through, I had signed on the dotted line to go to the pharmacy school. So that's how I got there. So after graduation from the pharmacy school, my first, uh, I worked in a, excuse me, I worked in a pharmacy part-time as a student in Albany, and uh, just to make extra money, 
I was fortunate. I was one of the ones that was able to use the Fed because of my army service. I was given the uh, money to pay for my tuition, and uh, it was called the GI Bill of Rights, which was a great thing. And millions of us went on to become professionals one way or another, doctors, lawyers, nurses. So <clears throat> anyway, after graduation from pharmacy, oh, by the way, I was married in, in my sophomore year at the pharmacy school. You are? A childhood sweetheart, yes. Yep. Oh, yeah, how get married. And we, we, anyway, so my first job after I graduated from the first position, actually, was in Carthage, New York, with a Fox Drug Company. And this was another great educational experience because uh, Fox Drug was a combination of a pharmacy, regular community pharmacy in Carthage, as well as it was a wholesaler of medical supplies to the hospitals and to physicians in the North Country in New York State. And so I was given a territory uh, to drive down from uh, once a month to drive out and call on doctors and hospitals. Uh, to see what their supplies would be they would want to buy for the month. There are things like penicillin, syringes, uh, hearing aids, uh, not hearing aids, but stethoscopes and ophthalmoscopes, all of that kind of stuff. So I learned a whole lot about the instrumentation as well as all the supplies needed uh, in, in the medical services, like bandages of all kinds, sutures for uh, sewing up wounds and things. So that was a great education all by itself. So in traveling down through the West Canada Valley, um, I met the five, four, in those days we had four doctors in the valley, and um, they all kind of took a liking to me and suggested that I buy out the pharmacy that was in Newport. The man in there was getting very, very old, that pharmacist, and, and it was time for him to retire, and he was looking for something to sell it to. So I went there and visited with him and, and bought the pharmacy in Newport. And, How long did uh, you have that pharmacy? Well, I was there for 20, it's 22 years or 23 years in Newport. And in there I changed the store three different times. So you did? Yeah. We started out in a little building, a very, quite a small space one that, was, that had been a pharmacy in there for oh, close to 100 years. I bought that and then I went, the business kept growing and growing, so I went across the street in an empty bank building. So I had a pharmacy there. And I had one more move into a bigger place yet, across the street from the bank. And anyway, when I, the reason that I didn't stay there longer was that I, was, I got an offer from the college to come down and um, develop a program of continuing education for uh, graduate pharmacists. Um, the dean felt, uh, de the dean and I were on a national committee together. It was a new dean by this time. Dr. O'Brien had retired. Uh, his name was Dr. Walter Singer, who actually was one of my teachers and taught pharmaceutical chemistry to me when I was in, in um, the college. So anyway, he asked me if I wanted to be on this committee with him. It was veterinary medicine and pharmacy. And that was an interesting scientific committee and discussing the problems and liaison between pharmacists and the veterinarians because a lot of veterinary products were sold in pharmacies. And we also filled prescriptions for veterinarians uh, for animals. So that, that was very nice. But he got acquainted with um, 
well, let me say ability and my abilities. We probably I've considered at that time were kind of minimal, but he thought I would be good at uh, trying to develop a continuing education program for pharmacists already graduated because I was taking students all the years I was there, and uh, an awful lot of students that I had from uh, both the college as interns and from the high schools as part-timers, uh, a whole lot went down to the pharmacy college to take get to be pharmacists themselves after they graduated from high school. Well, anyway, he so that's how he got to know me. And so he asked me to do that, and I went down and, and developed this program, and it was, a, it was a real good marriage between me and the college. I mean, I, I um, was able to develop programs that were extremely interesting, and I, we enjoyed the, the work, and then I got it very much interested in curriculum and curriculum studies and evaluation. So I went to the State University of New York and got a, a master's degree in curriculum development. And so... From there, I kept doing. I kept doing that for years, and uh, and that was was uh, a great experience for for me. And uh, they kept the college would send students to my office for discussions, especially if he thought they didn't understand what community pharmacy or hospital pharmacy was like. So they would send them in to visit with me, and I could fill them in on a lot of that. So I met a lot of those students. Uh, Matter of fact, I got a Christmas card this year from one still sending me Christmas cards after all these years. How many years do you think oh, that experience was sending you them? I well, I'm 91 now, and I was probably in my 40, late 40s or early 50s when I first so around 40 talked years that student into staying into the pharmacy college. <laughs> wow. Yeah, she was ready to quit. 40 she, to 50 years of Christmas letters. <laughs> yeah, imagine that. So... Uh, before I got out of the college, though, they approached me, and and uh, part of my work on the the uh, continuing education was putting on programs all over the the country and uh, for uh, all over the state, excuse me, uh, in upper upper New York State, like programs in Utica, Rochester, Syracuse, um, Albany, of course, and um, also two way radio broadcasts I developed for all the hospitals in the North Country from Plattsburgh. Uh, Carthage and Watertown. What is a two-way radio thing? Two-way radio? Yeah, what is that? Well, the two-way radio was, um, I could, you know, that was like a long, I could talk to them, they could talk to me. And you created that? So we, well, that, I created the idea of doing it by radio. Oh, you created So we could reach idea. out to those, it's a long, excuse me, a long way away. And so we had to have some mechanism there to, to get that program out without having to travel there with the, all your your cast. So I could assemble the faculty that I needed, and we could be on the radio. At the same time, there'd be the group of pharmacists, nurses, and stuff at the hospital who would gather in a room, and they would hear the talks, and then they could ask questions, uh-huh. and they would get their answers. So we did that. Then I also introduced the correspondence courses, and so I had correspondence courses going with pharmacists that didn't have time or couldn't come to the programs, the live programs. So that was very successful. But when I got to be about 1992, they were looking, our dean retired at that time, Dr. Miller, and they were looking for a dean, so they asked me if I'd be the interim. 
And so I, I said, yes, I would. And so I became the interim dean and was that for two years, 92 and 93. And uh, some of them say still were the best two years they ever had. So it was very nice. I felt good about that. And so they finally, then after I was uh, the two years of interim, they've got, they found the dean they, uh, they wanted there. And, um, and then she was a, as a woman. And she asked me to stay on as an advisor to her for a couple of years, which I did. And then I retired. Hmm. In the meantime, along the way, I was asked, I was nominated for to be on the board of pharmacy for the state of New York. And um, so I got on the board of pharmacy and was on that for my two terms. And then after I got uh, retired from the board after the, the two terms, I was uh, asked to be to stay on just for advisory, uh, to sit in on panels for a new thing they were doing, which was a, a, a program for uh, uh, drug-habituated pharmacists, nurses, and dentists. And so I, uh, I did that for, gosh, until I was getting well up into my 80s, I guess. And so then I finally uh, retired from that, and... And then the rest is just pretty much history, I guess. I, <laughs> hanging in there and fishing and well, that's good. doing the best I could. Well, that is a very interesting story of all the occupations that you've had <laughs> over the years. I didn't know half of them. Yeah, I, I went. Oh, and by the way, I, well, I was at the college, too. Besides the continuing education, I eventually got into teaching there. Oh, you so, taught yeah, I did. I taught pharmaceutical calculations and also ran a laboratory in it. Okay. And the laboratory was like I would give the lecture and one day of the week, and a day or two later they would come into the lab and prepare the product that we were talking about and do the calculations that were required okay. to do the product. And, uh, and so that was another thing. So I became also faculty in a sense, you know. So I taught that for a number of years, and when I got on the state board, of course, they have to take state board exams. So I taught the law portion of the review classes for the for the state board exams to the seniors, so they could help pass the it helped them to pass the law exam, which was a separate exam. Because pharmacy probably and those it still is one of the most regulated professions we have. Yeah, because I've been reading up on uh, what you need, and it looks like yeah. you need a certificate in all 50 states. There's not a single one where you can't yeah. Yeah. Uh, pass that and be one. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. 
Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. So, um, out of the many jobs you've had, which job did you enjoy the most? Well, that is a good question because I've, I felt myself to be extremely lucky. Lucky in a lot of ways. I had wonderful mentoring couple of issues of that I, I described earlier about the uh, Mr. Zip and the ice cream and from the owner, Mr. Griffith himself, uh, from other teachers in, when I was in high school. So I got to thank them and for the career that I had. And I really enjoyed the whole thing because the principal thing in pharmacy, besides having the knowledge of the drugs and their side effects and all that, is to um, help people. And I always felt it was a wonderful profession because you could help people. And golly, you got paid at the end of the week for doing that, which is a nice combination. And it's true of a lot of the health professions, nursing, your doctors, uh, all of the technicians of all kinds, everybody helping, you know. And that is a wonderful thing to do. So I've been happy at everything I've done. And everything was a learning experience, which was nice. And I guess I was prepared for that learning because I was interested in all directions. And when I took the master's degree, I mean, it was, that was a, it expanded my view of education itself. So I guess to answer your question, I say I just loved everything I did. Yeah, that's fine. And sometimes I wish I had stayed working longer. <laughs> but I, I finally retired at the age, I think, 74 or something. Like that. Dang. Yeah. Well, um, through your times of being a pharmacist and all this, have you ever failed at something that you did, but it, in return that opened a door towards another job that you could have had or gone? No, not really. I, I don't... I. I I can't think of anything that would fit quite fit that description. I, the job was a progression of things, moving from the uh, part-time worker in the in the drugstore, experiences in the in the pharmacy in the army. So you didn't really fail at anything. You just kept getting lucky. Well, I can't say I didn't contacts. fail at anything. There were mistakes, of course, that we'd made. Well, yeah, but like more in my private life than oh. than in uh, in, uh. in the scientific field. Mm-hmm. So there's things, you know, you, but as far as the profession was concerned, extremely happy to have been in it. And the times that I were in it, maybe are, were very good times because there were community pharmacy in those days. There was a pharmacy in every corner, practically in small towns and villages. And it was really nice. People depended on you. And the doctors depended on you. They'd call uh-huh. up and ask me questions about drugs and dosage and things. And it was wonderful to be able to do that for him. All right. So would it be wrong of me to say that the main purpose you felt while being a pharmacist was just to help people? Yes, help people and make a living. That was the main purpose. Support my family, which had grown to be five children by the end of the day. (laughs) Five wonderful kids, yes. Now I have about five, the five children. We now have ten grandchildren and four great-grandchildren. 
I didn't know that. That'd be great. Um, do you think having connections with other people within the job area helped you build up your resume of different jobs? Oh, yes, I think so. You know, for instance, um, the recommendations from the pharmacist I worked at, you know, helped get me into the college to start with as a student. And the, the professors that I had, I did very well when I was at, at the college. Uh, my recommendations later helped with any kind of jobs I wanted there, especially the State Board of Pharmacy job. You had to have quite a few uh, checks there. And then I think the mentoring that I mentioned earlier was extremely important, where somebody had had uh, experience and was wiser and perhaps a little bit older could take me under their wing and explain why I shouldn't, you know, like the ice cream incident we talked about. Uh, it was humorous, but it was a serious faux pas there to give away all that ice cream, you know. So I didn't realize it was stealing, and so it was really a, a good good lesson. Those kinds of things, I think, are a great help. So yeah, for the educational too. background for your job, was it just a master's? Well, I went on from the master's to get the, the, the Ph.D. in curriculum and instruction, and I got as far as the dissertation when they asked me to become the, the, the interim dean of the college. And so I had to give up doing a dissertation in order to, to be the president and dean of the, of the college for the two years. And so I never completed that, but it was all this, I had all the coursework done. All that I needed to do was the research dissertation for the Ph.D. So, yes, a, a lifelong learning to me is serious. It's a wonderful way to keep the brain going and your interest alive. I really enjoyed your story. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to come here and sit down in this living room with me and talk about pharmacy. Very nice. No, thank you very much, man. It's it's good to talk about something I'm, I've, uh, I love, and it's, it's great. And I've enjoyed your company very much. Thank you. You're very welcome. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview that Van did with his grandfather. If you'd like me to pass any kind words on to Van or his grandfather, please send them to me at steve at uselessinformation.org. That's steve at uselessinformation.org, and I'll definitely forward them on to Van. Just a reminder to give a listen to the Survival Podcast on the Parcast Network, and while you're there, be sure to check out the other podcasts that they offer. My next podcast is in the works with the help of one of my listeners, and assuming that all goes as planned, it should be posted within the next couple of weeks. Bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.